0: This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio.
1: I think there's there's definitely times where we're starting to build an identity and you know play a certain way that will result in wins. Um, I thought there was parts of tonight's game that we did do that and parts we didn't. We're around Bobowski all night, but uh, we're kind of just
0: you know they're just boxing us out and we're we're trying to get in there and we're just losing the battles. Do I think we could have brought a little bit of emotion, more emotion to the game? You know, it's a Christmas crowd and. It's a rival and, and I thought they got that early goal and it just, I don't know, probably took a little air out of our tires. I don't know why, there was so much game left. Uh, but we, not so sure we were, you know, completely physically engaged in this one until, you know, until we scored. And then we, I think we played with a little bit more spark that third period and until we made some some errors at the end.
1: Well, that was an unfortunate outcome last night for a couple of reasons. We're going to dive into that for a full hour here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. Glad you're with us. Hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio. Dave Mishkin is my partner. He's with me. Steve Versnick is our producer. And, of course, we will be taking your comments and questions because there are a few that are starting to trickle in. It happened last night after the game. And, partner, you know, uh, there are... Certain ways a team can lose a game that you can accept. There are other ways where you say, I, I think we beat ourselves. Sometimes they are a little bit of both. I think on most occasions that does happen. I don't want to simplify it too, too much, but that game last night for me came down to some goaltending. And Sergey Bobrovsky, I made the comment to you and Phil, that's the best I've seen him in person. Now, I understand what happened last year and the run in the playoffs, and he was very good. And look, this is a guy that's won a couple of Vesna trophies, so we also acknowledge how good he's been, especially during the regular season. So, really solid performances. We shouldn't be surprised. I just think sometimes with his salary and the ups and downs he's had a little bit in his career for a goaltender of that caliber, maybe sometimes we don't give him... The benefit of the doubt or put him in that upper echelon of elite goaltenders. But for him, when it's all said and done, his numbers are going to be Hall of Fame worthy, and that'll be an interesting conversation. But I thought, at least last night, both goaltenders I thought were excellent. I just thought Bobrovsky was really seeing the puck, especially at a time when the Lightning had some good scoring opportunities early on. Stamkos with the breakaway. I think the Lightning's first power play opportunity where there were a couple of really good shots from Cooch and Point where the anticipation was really good for Bobrovsky. I know the Lightning had some turnovers. I know the Lightning did some things that we don't like to see that we'll discuss here on the show. But I thought, for me, the biggest takeaway from that game last night is I just thought Sergei Bobrovsky was a bit better than the Lightning's offense.
0: Yeah, that was certainly part of the story, Greg. I'm not sure the Lightning had a lot of scoring chances, but boy, the scoring chances they had were about as dangerous as, as they're going to come. Stamkos had a breakaway. Point had a breakaway. The The chances on their first power play, there were a bunch right around the net. But Bobrovsky was very, very good last night. So, yeah, the Lightning could have scored more than two goals, and had they gotten a third goal, maybe they— you know, would have gotten a win out of this. They would have certainly gotten a point, assuming the Panthers would have been held to three. But Bobrovsky, to me, was only part of the story because the other part of the story was that, again, the Lightning allowed more than two goals. And how many times have we heard John Cooper say, when you hold the other team to two or less, you're giving yourself an excellent chance to get points. Once the other team reaches three, The outcome starts to hang in the balance and not only did the lightning allow three they faced a multi-goal deficit going into the third period that is really narrowing your path to victory or narrowing your path at least to get points out of the game and and while they did score two in the third the one they allowed i thought sat really badly with john cooper because that was the goal he mentioned in his post-game press conference the shorthanded goal that Reinhardt scored, which proved to be the game winner. And I think it sat badly with Coop because it was utterly preventable. I mean, the Lightning just did not defend hard enough to close first on Barkov, who was able to nudge the puck out of the zone. And then certainly they they needed to erase Reinhardt there. Reinhardt is able to dance down the wing, cut in front, outweighed Vasilevsky and put it into the upper corner. And, you know, from the Lightning's perspective, while we can acknowledge that that was a great individual effort by Reinhardt and a terrific finish and all of that, if we were doing a Panther show, we'd be talking about that, there is simply no way for the Lightning to allow that goal to happen. It shouldn't have reached the point where Reinhardt was in alone on Vasilevsky. think like you had mentioned, Greg, Like, the Lightning are starting to give up shorthanded chances sometimes on the power play. It kind of bit them at the beginning of last season. Remember, they were giving up a bunch of shorthanded goals in the first two months of the regular season last year. That has not been the case this year in that they've only allowed three shorthanded goals and were approaching the halfway point of the regular season. The first two came against Edmonton. Edmonton got a shorthanded goal in each of the two games played between the teams. This was only the third, but this was a really costly one. Because the fact that Aceymon scored 20 seconds later, the Lightning are back to within one, but the Panthers got that number to three. And they aren't the fourth best defensive team for nothing. I thought there was a reason why the Lightning had a fairly difficult time generating a high volume of scoring chances. Because for the most part, the Panthers defended pretty well. But as you, as you said at the top of the show, when the Panthers had breakdowns, they were big breakdowns. And Bobrovsky saved his team multiple times last night. But look, I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. If Bobrovsky isn't playing at the level that he's playing at, maybe the Lightning score four or five goals and they win the game. But we keep, we keep beating this dead horse again and again and again and again and again. If the Lightning can't start holding the other team to under three goals a game, They are going to have a hard time winning regularly. And that has been proven this year. They've had two three-game winning streaks, and that's it. Through the first 36 games. As it is, they've had, what, two two four-game losing streaks, right? Sure. So, yeah, they could have scored more than two last night. But the important number, to me, was the fact that they gave up three. And one of them was... One of them was a bit of bad luck. I mean, the face-off, Phil got upset about the first goal because it was a 50-50 face-off, the Lightning lost. They didn't have a great night in the circle last night. Ekblad shot's a seeing-eye shot. I mean, it might have nicked off someone on the way to the net. It seemed to dip. Maybe Chernak, who knows? Maybe Chernak. But, you know, goal two, Lightning had a turnover in the offensive zone. Then they had a chance to get it out in the defensive zone. They didn't. Then they had had coverage breakdown. I mean, Reinhardt is in the most – this is his first goal I'm talking about, the one that made it 2 nothing. He's in the most dangerous area of the ice, and he's wide right. open. Yeah, And he makes and a great, a great shot. shot. This is their best yeah. goal scorer this year. He's got 21 yeah. goals now. Short-hand like,
1: goal he can't have.
0: Yeah, you know, so I mean goals 2 and 3, I think, right. shouldn't sit well with the
1: Lightning. And they also had a – I don't want to say a ton, but I think relatively speaking in a 60-minute game, you referenced this, but it was – it was really eye-opening. I mean, Dave, they had at least two or three shifts where they were in their own zone for how yeah. long? Didn't come I back mean, to hurt them. Forty or fifty them. seconds, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah you that don't want to spend. That was not pretty. No, I mean that was that wasn't great. So I think there's a, you don't want to say a pass because I think a lot of teams faced sloppiness in their first game back from the mm-hmm. Christmas break, particularly the first period. A lot of teams will tell you it was just ugly. There wasn't a lot of skating leading up to that first game out of the break so you expected some choppiness I think what you were hoping to see was that you know as the game wore on less breakdowns and better better management of the puck and I think for the lightning was last night a little bit of a microcosm of how the season has gone so far and you know maybe that's Maybe that's true. I think what's also disappointing is that, you know, once again, this theme of not being able to pick up points partner in regulation. Yeah. And now you're starting to take on teams in the Eastern Conference, in your division. We know that, you know, the Lightning have played a few more games than some of these other teams. And, you know, E was making that point yesterday on the postgame show that that can be a little dicey, which is why you want the Lightning to go on a bit of a run here so that when they are idle – You know, for a week, potentially, you know, teams like a Toronto or Florida to a lesser extent, but even some other teams behind them in the standings aren't passing them because Mm -hmm. they have a few games in hand. I mean, as it sits right now, the Lightning are not in a playoff spot. Yeah. You know, Washington played 32 games. They've got 39 points. The Lightning are right behind them, but they've played 36 games. And they're at thirty-nine points. And so you you start doing the math a little bit, and, and this is where this is where the regular season becomes very interesting because if you continue to be inconsistent for a decent amount of the season, it's you don't have as much time to make up for those inconsistencies if you aren't starting to win these games in regulation. And that's kind of what they're facing a little bit.
0: Well, look, the standings have, have taken on an interesting turn here in the last couple of weeks because I think there was a feeling at the start of the year that if there was a division to get five teams in, it was going to be the Atlantic. Because there was this perception that Buffalo and Ottawa were going to take a step forward this year and maybe Detroit. And then you had the teams that made the playoffs last year from the Atlantic division, which one of those four teams would, would dip? And right now in the top three spots are three of those four teams that made the playoffs last year. The Lightning are the one team that, that is farther back, as you said, right now out of, out of playoff position. But as we take a look at the standings today, and we have still more than half a season to go, the Metro is, is looking strong. In that, you have more teams in contention, I think, for the wild card. Washington has surprised. Philly has surprised. And Philly is, is above a wild card right now. The Islanders got hammered by the Penguins last night, but they've had a pretty good first half to this point. Carolina has had, I would say, a disappointing first half, but they are certainly in the mix. And you look at Buffalo and Ottawa. Ottawa had a big come from behind win in Toronto last night, but Ottawa has not had a good year so far. Buffalo has not had a good year so far, and Detroit had a very good start, but has hit the skids massively. Montreal is kind of probably, I would say the Canadians have exceeded expectations. I don't know that there is a belief that they'll be able to maintain that pace, which is not even playoff pace, through the second half. So if that's the case, you know, the Lightning do have some teams behind them in the Atlantic Division. That is good. But if they are going to be Carving a path toward the wild card, they may have to start worrying about teams from the Metro. And those teams are getting points. Washington lost in regulation last night, but you just mentioned them as a team with games in hand of the Lightning. You know, the Penguins got two points last night. Carolina got two points last night. So that's something to monitor as, as the season progresses and we head into the second half. The Lightning are still in good shape in this 10-game segment. I mean, they're four and two through six games. So, you know, they earned a mulligan, if you want to look at it that way. In a way, they didn't earn a mulligan because they, they have to make up those five points that they dropped in, in the first three segments to, to get back on playoff pace. But they still have an opportunity here to have a very strong 10-game segment. But now it adds more importance and pressure, if you will, on these next two at home where they have the conference-leading New York Rangers, and they may be the NHL leading New York Rangers at this point because Vegas lost last night again Rangers come in on Saturday completing a back-to-back so it'll be interesting to see if they use Shesterkin in both games and if they use him in one of the games do they use him in their game against the Panthers on Friday did the Lightning see Jonathan Quick on Saturday I'm not sure how that's going to play out and then they get the Canadians on Sunday those are two really important games now for the Lightning to to consolidate what had started as a very strong ten game segment. Last night's defeat was a step back.
1: And Jonathan Quick, by the way, has played very well. He
0: has, yeah. <laughs> nine and one. Well, nine the Rangers the Rangers have played very well this yeah, year. Yeah, but too. I mean his
1: numbers, like the metrics, nine twenty save percentage and a two point two seven goals against. Now look, that might be more of a product of what they're doing in front of him you still got to stop the puck and Jonathan Quick was somebody Dave not too long ago there were some questions about whether or not he was um gonna still be in the league yeah. you know whether whether you agree with that but that goaltending tandem you know we talk about Johansson and Vassy being you know right up there and I think Johansson has has turned some some heads with his play I mean is there a better duo right now than Shesterkin and Quick probably not in terms mm-hmm. of wins and and what you're getting a lot of people think Sirkin is the best goaltender in the game. Bottom line is this game on Saturday, you mentioned that that little stretch here and and where the lightning are still in, in pretty good shape, but it can quickly dissipate this weekend if yeah. you don't get your act together. Because the Rangers probably aren't going to allow for mistakes not to come back and hurt you. You know, if you want to make the claim that the Rangers are playing the best in the league right now, that means that your mistakes have to be minimized. And that's why, in many ways, it was very interesting coming out of the break. The Lightning were taking on the Panthers and Rangers, two really good teams. But, Dave, I actually thought, considering coming out of the break, and there, there may be some rust involved, probably not two terrible teams to play from the standpoint of emotionally getting ready for the game and having to be sharp to start. Mm-hmm. They didn't get any points against Florida, but they better be ready for the Rangers because, look, things can happen. I don't think the, the Lightning shy away from going against the Rangers. They'll probably embrace that type of game, but the Lightning need to be a lot better because the Rangers have been that basically all year.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm looking at the standings. Actually, Vancouver is tied with the Rangers for the most
1: points. How about Interestingly, that?
0: Interestingly, yeah, they, that Vegas is, has lost now four in a row in regulation. But again, they started at 11-0-1, so you can lose four in a row in regulation. I'm sure they're not happy about that, but it hasn't really affected their their standings position in terms of playoff qualification, not in the least. So the Rangers, they are at 49 points. They have almost an identical home record to road record. They've been great both at home and on the road. 12-4 and four at home, 12-4-1 on the road. If we look at their team stats, goals against per game, they are number six, 2.70, tied for sixth. It's actually a little bit lower than where I thought they might be. I yeah. guess I'm, I'm a little surprised about that. What is not surprising is that their power play is great. They've had a very good power play for a number of years. I would say ever since Panarin a little and, different look and, there. And Fo- like Fox took the step forward, their power play, their power play has Panarin on his strong side at the right circle. Zabanajad on his offside at the left circle. For that one timer, which For is the one timer he has and killed that. the lightning and a lot of other teams sure. shooting from there. They have Fox at the point, and they have Kreider in front of the net, and then the, the fifth guy. I think it's 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 varied over over the yeah. years, but those four in particular, it fits. Have, doesn't have it? been very very dangerous. Sorry, yeah.
1: it, no. I was to say it fits those guys. It fits. power play. They all yeah. Have they have role.
0: the right guys in the right yeah. spots. And they're they really in sync. Now, people say that about the Lightning's power play, too, and it's not like the Rangers are scoring a, you know, a 70% clip. I mean, right. they, they fail more than they succeed, but they come in, or at least to, to action today, with the best power play percentage in the NHL, 31.1%. But let's say, unlike the Lightning, who've had their issues with five-on-five play this year, the Rangers have not. The Rangers have been good on special teams. They've been good 5-on-5. Five five. They've scored plenty. They're keeping the puck out of their own net to the tune of being, you know, a top 10 defensive team easily. And what did I just say? They were tied for sixth. So, yeah, they they are a formidable foe for the Lightning. Actually, I look at it, Greg, again, this is maybe a little bit surprising. They are basically at a 1-to-1 for 5-on-5 five five goals for versus 5-on-5 five five goals against. So that is actually kind of a a middling stat for a team
1: that is leading the
0: league, tied for the league lead in points.
1: Well, how about this? Panarin is fifth in scoring, but he's a minus four. That would go to the the five on five.
0: I wouldn't call them issues because it's not like they're they're heavily in the red, so to speak. But they're not as strong. They're basically one-to-one, yeah.
1: But, I mean, that's staggering because you look at the top 15 players in scoring in the NHL. Cooch is leading it by two. Or no, actually, he's tied. No, he's up two over McKinnon. I mean, Cooch, we've talked about the Lightning being up and down this year. I mean, Cooch has managed to be a plus two through all of that. He's got 26 power play points. But Panarin has 22 power play points and is a minus four. So Mm -hmm. it does speak to you want to beat the Rangers on Saturday. Give yourself a chance, partner, going five on five. Now, Chief has made the comment. Oh, you got to stay out of the box against you got to stay sure. out of the box. Yeah, you have to stay out of I mean, that, that goes without saying. I mean, think about some of the elite power plays that we've seen over the years. We've covered them in the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, imagine what teams are saying when the Lightning are rolling, and, and most, most seasons they are, they are right there. They're probably saying, if, if we want to win this game or come away with points, we've really got to stay out of the box. So if you're the Lightning going into this game Saturday, and the Rangers are probably saying the same thing about Tampa Bay, We've got to really limit the times we are in the box. We certainly can't have any five-on-threes. This is a game where you've got to be ready to go and understand where you need to be on the ice. So if you need to dump the puck in rather than make a blind pass in the neutral zone, let's probably do that to give ourselves a chance because there are many layers that you have to get over to defeat the Rangers. You've got the goaltending. You've got the power play. You've got just elite skill up and down the roster so you want to give yourself a chance to win staying out of the box allows you to do that you don't always have total control because i think as we saw dave and part of the issue last night i think for lightning fans and the players the officiating was a little was a little off so sometimes you can't control that mm-hmm. but you can't control your emotions a little bit you know if if somebody hits you late if if somebody joins a scrum late try and keep your cool Yeah, Uh, it's easier said than done. But, you know, last night you you saw, I think, the lightning towards the end there. They felt like some calls should have been made. Maybe rightfully so. Didn't happen. And and you felt like maybe it it led to uh, the Panthers, in addition to what they did in the game up to that point, come away with two points. Well, you can be
0: frustrated about the officiating, but the lightning and I gave Kucherov a lot of rope. And I wish the officials would have in that Vegas game because I thought he was upset about some non-calls, and he let off steam against the officials, and the officials called him for a penalty. Right. Last night, Stampko's retaliates on Ekblad, and there's a difference. Stampko's deserved a penalty there. And, I mean, you're down a goal with under five minutes left in the third period. That makes it tough. The Lightning did a really good job killing off that penalty. You talk about some of the saves Vasilevsky made. Yeah, And he made a handful of really good ones last night. That one he made on Verhage to keep the game 3-2 during that power play might have been his best of the night. And he made a a handful of saves on grade A chances for the Panthers. But that was an avoidable penalty. Where the Lightning frustrated with some of the non-calls they were. But that's the way it goes sometimes. And at the end of the day, as I mentioned to Phil after the game, the Lightning allowed the winning goal when they were on the power play. So you kind of have to look in the mirror there and say, well, we didn't get all the power plays we would have liked, but it was on the power play that we allowed the winning goal. And so we, had, we did have our looks on the power play, yeah. and, we, and we,
1: we lost the special teams battle. I was trying to figure out why exactly Stamkos was upset. I mean, we know there was a hit involved. Yeah. Was it more interference? Was
0: Did he feel it was late? Did he feel it I don't was know if cheap? it was that hit. I mean, he was looking a little bit the other way, and Ekblad hit him. I didn't think that one rose to the level of a penalty. Some of the others, yeah. I mean, Sorelli, when he took his penalty at the end of the game on Barkov, and that was a penalty, he tripped him and prevented yeah. maybe an open net goal. In fact, the officials might have decided to award the empty net goal to Barkov. They didn't. I I thought that would have been a little bit of a reach. It's not like Barkov was completely in the clear. Although I'd say if he wasn't tripped, the likelihood was that, yeah, he was going to score there. Yeah, pretty high. But at the other end of the ice, Sorelli was shoved into the boards and felt there should have been a penalty.
1: And rightfully so.
0: And rightfully (laughs) so. I mean,
1: those are dangerous plays. Yeah, Radish
0: got run by Bennett. Yeah. When he pinched to the corner, that one uncalled. Tanner Janot got roughed up in front of the net, lost his helmet. That one uncalled. The whole, was it Bennett and Hagel? Were, was it Bennett with Hagel? Yeah. Right? It was. I think so. Hagel yeah. and Bennett in the second period. That was ridiculous. That was absolutely mind-boggling that they called two and two right there. They called Hagel for interference on the goalie. I mean, first of all, he was pushed into the goalie. Right. The replay showed that. What do you want him to do? Then Bennett slammed him the ice and started throwing punches at him. So if you absolutely feel like Hegel needs a penalty
1: there, you need to give Bennett four. You need to tack on an extra one for Bennett. Yeah. Who crosses the line? A a lot of occasions. That's how he plays. I mean, that's... Yeah, that is how he plays. I don't know if Hegel has a reputation of being somebody that's over the line. I don't think he does. Bennett does. So to your point... If you want to give guys both minors, fine, but you probably need to tack on another one for Bennett. Yeah, no, look, I, but I think so every game look, you can it was it was not official.
0: one call. I think it was probably right. cumulative, and they were frustrated. The lightning were with how the game was going too. But you can't let what the officials are calling or not calling yeah. affect you to the point that
1: you are taking penalties
0: out of frustration.
1: Correct. Yeah, I mean, uh, blaming the officials, and we're not doing that. Uh, you can. Every game, you can probably point to a, a period or a few minutes where maybe the officiating swings the other way and, and you're not where you need to be and you're on the short end of that. But I think you brought up some really good points about the second and third goals for the Panthers. I thought, you know, Bobrovsky was really good and, you know, the Lightning at, at critical times didn't do enough to make some plays. Al says, all the players keep saying, that they don't play with enough intensity and desperation to start the game. Well, if they know the freaking problem, fix it. What are they waiting for? I don't know if they
0: didn't start the game with intensity last night. I mean, they had plenty of scoring chances early in the game.
1: I mean, Stamkos a minute and a half in is on a breakaway.
0: Yeah. Now, they had some issues in their own zone. Like, you mentioned some of the shifts where they got stuck out there and almost we can draw a direct line between them having the puck, not getting it out, and then giving up chances and spending a long time in their own zone. Just about every one of those long offensive zone shifts for the Panthers started with the Lightning turning the puck over when they had a chance to get it out and didn't. The Panthers had 10 first-period shots. I would say at least half of them, maybe more than half, came on the three shifts, let's say they had three shifts where they held the puck in for a long period of time. That's when they got their shots off. The rest of the period, they were fairly quiet. And the Lightning were the ones who were who were doing a pretty good job of, of generating scoring chances. I think at the end of the first period, the Lightning probably had, well, I don't want to say they had more, because the Panthers definitely had some Off of those extended shifts, I remember Bennett had a chance in front. I think Chuck had an opportunity in front. I'd have to go back and look at the play-by-play to remember all of the shots that they had in the first period. Now, the Lightning scoring chances, many of those came during their power plays. But still, the Lightning did a good job to generate scoring chances early in the game more so than what they were able to do for much of the second period. The second period it looked like the Panthers were just dinging them up and they were having a hard time generating much sustained pressure in the offensive zone. That started to turn a little bit at the latter part of the second period and then Kucherov scored in the first shift of the third and that and that changed the the feel of the game. And we had the three goals scored in the first what? 3:31 of the third period. So the Kudrov goal kind of changed the way the game was unfolding. But prior to that, you know, it was like the Panthers got their lead and they were structure, 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 right? And the Lightning were having a difficult time breaking that structure.
1: 100%. At Boltz Radio.
0: But Al's point about the intensity at the start of the game, I'm not sure that that was necessarily an issue. I think the bigger problem was that they fell behind, and, and ultimately, they fell behind by multiple goals. And I'm willing against to give them team. probably more than Phil, who didn't like the faceoff play. I'm willing to give them a pass on the first goal. Those plays happen sometimes. But the second goal was avoidable. And that was the one that, that put them in a deep hole against a really good defensive team.
1: It's a good point. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, it also speaks to, again, why they need to button things up for Saturday's game as well. Yeah. Because if you thought... Last night's game was uh, a tough one, and you couldn't do certain things because of the opponent. Uh, the Rangers are a little bit of a different animal, and uh, I think the Lightning understand that. Jay no says, undisciplined
0: penalties against that team. Sure. And by the way, Trocek is the fifth guy. I don't think he was yeah. the fifth guy last year. I think he was on power play, too. But, you know, remember how, and I, we'll get to this other question, remember how ad was so good on the face-offs? On the power play that was one reason i do one of many reasons why the rangers have had a good power play they win the face off a lot of times to start with possession they interestingly do. now that trochek is on that first unit and when the rangers come in i'm gonna have to ask and maybe i'm just not remembering right trochek has been on that first unit we should ask jay retcher actually because he knows every move the rangers make and have made but trochek is at 63.3% on faceoffs this year. And I'm doing a quick check. I believe that is first in the league. It's actually second in the league to Michael McLeod, who is at 65.1%. That's insanely good. But Trocek has taken virtually all of the power play faceoffs for the Rangers this year. So what's interesting about this power play, and I mentioned how good they are, they have four righties and a lefty. That is very unusual. First of all, most teams have more lefties than righties. We've talked about the Lightning, for example, that, is that they have Point, Stampkos, and Glendenning as righties and Austin Watson. Now that Marilla is, is, is in Syracuse, in terms of righties at the forward position, they have Pervix, Radish, and Chernak on defense. But for the power play, like the righty lefty combo. Matters because what what teams like to do is put guys in a position where essentially their stick is more toward the middle of the ice. We see that with Stamkos, we see that with Kucherov, and on one side or the other, and usually the guy who's in the bumper spot, not always, but usually the guy in the bumper spot, his stick is closer. His stick is going to be closer to one circle or the other, whether he's a righty or a lefty, if he's facing the net. The guy in the bumper spot, often you like to have that guy have his stick blade closer to his teammate at the circle who has the puck more. Look at the lightning. Point is a righty. His stick blade is closer to Kucherov. Because Kucherov is the engine that drives the power play. Kucherov has the puck a lot, so Kucherov has options. He can go to Hedman at the point. He can do the seam pass to Stamkos for a one-timer. He can go to the corner for Paul, and Paul as a lefty opens his body and and makes that pass available, or he can go to point in the slot, and point can take it and take a one-timer. He doesn't have to have the puck go across his body, which would be the case if he were a lefty. What's interesting about how the Rangers have their power play set up is they have four righties. So I mentioned Panarin's on his strong side at the right circle. But clearly Trocek is in the slot, right? So it's almost like Panarin is the guy who's the distributor. And he can go to Fox at the point. He can go across to Trocek or he can go or, or across to ad at the other circle. Or he can go into the slot for Trocek. And the guy who might be the most dangerous player on this power play is Kreider. This guy is so good at tipping pucks. He's got eight power play goals this year that leads the Rangers. So they have weapons all over the ice. They pass the puck extremely well, so it's hard to get it off of them. So if they get it in the offensive zone, it's hard to get it off of them to get it down the ice. And they've shown to be extremely efficient, a greater percentage of converting on their power plays than any other team in the NHL this year, which which just reemphasizes the significance for the Lightning. They need to stay out of the box best they can against the Rangers on Saturday.
1: It's, it's a good point, and it's something that uh, I'm sure John Cooper and the staff, they are preaching to their team because you mm-hmm. have to. Jay says, just not enough five-on-five five in the first two periods. Can't be flat against good teams. Still unsure how good or bad this team really is?
0: That's a good question. Look, they took on a good opponent last night, and the Panthers weren't perfect. They needed to rely on Bobrovsky. I guess one thing that we can say, if you want to look at things somewhat positively, Phil mentioned this at the end of the game last night during the postgame. The lightning did get better as the game progressed. Now They gave it the shorthanded goal in the third period, and that was not good. But to the extent the three days did have an effect on them, it seemed like they worked that out of their system. Although as I say that, Greg, you know they were pretty dangerous in the first period. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. It's a good point, Jay. I mean, ultimately, they are where they are, 39 points through 36 games, because their play has been inconsistent this year. Jay is absolutely right. So when you are an inconsistent team, it is hard to – to know what to make of the team. There there are no consistent yeah, trend lines here no. for us to kind of dig our teeth into, if that's it the goes, right way of putting it.
1: It goes back to <laughs> sometimes the simplest line. At this point, the only thing consistent is the Lightning. They are inconsistent. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fair. And look, I think, and you think, Dave, they are a playoff team who – in the right setting, if they get hot, if things align, can win a Stanley Cup this year. And I've always maintained that certain years, you probably have a a little bit more of a realistic chance of doing that than others. That's a product of the cap. That's a product of the parity in today's game. I think that is fair, and I think that's something to keep in mind as we take a look at this Lightning team moving forward. The consistency has been the issue. Why are they inconsistent? You know what? Probably at the end of the regular season, we'll have all of the data that we need to talk about why they are. And maybe halfway through the season partner, we have a pretty good understanding of what that is. And if if Julian Breezewa feels like the team cannot right the ship before the trade deadline, he will make a move to try to shore up those loose ends. I'm not going to tell you it's going to happen or that he will. My guess is he's looking at the team just like we are. He's probably got more analytics to look at, and he's probably looking at this a lot closer than we are in terms of what is really troubling the lighting. Why are they inconsistent? Why are they having puck control or puck possession is- issues in their own zen? Why is their decision-making a bit off this year compared to others. Is it a talent issue? Is it a structure issue? Could there be coaching issues? He's taking all of that into consideration and he'll make a decision uh, probably close to the trade deadline, maybe even before that, if he feels like his team needs to, needs to be boosted in some capacity. But I think one thing we all can agree on, we can all say the lightning are a good team and eventually they will get into the playoffs and that's fair. But you got to get there first. And I think we all are looking at this and saying they are an inconsistent team. They are an inconsistent team. They look good on some nights, and other nights they don't. And why is that? Julian Breeze, that's why he gets paid a lot of money to figure that out. And that's what they're trying to do at this point.
0: I think all of that is is spot on, Greg. And that's why it's been a confounding year for for Lightning fans and why we feel a lot of these questions. I do want to give you my impressions of the Panthers. And I know, look, it's a very small sample size, and it was a weird game to base any kind of definitive conclusions on because it was coming out of the break. But I think their decor is very good. Ekman Larson has found kind of a rejuvenated... I don't want to say the fountain of youth. That's not the right way of putting it, but he really looked out of sorts in Vancouver for a couple of years, and he looks the opposite of that in Florida. I thought he was very dynamic last night. I thought they and I'm talking about their defensemen, their six defensemen, I thought we're in sync. You know, Doug Plagans, who was on with us yesterday on the show, we had a conversation in the morning, and one of the things he said about Ekblad was this is something Paul Maurice mentioned about Ekblad. Ekblad was banged up in the playoffs last year and and was limited somewhat in what he could do. So he really focused on playing defense because I don't know if it was that he couldn't get up the ice. Was it a hip issue or a shoulder issue? Whatever his issue was that he had the offseason surgery, it affected him from being quite as mobile as he has been. And so because he was so focused on defending, that has carried over into this year. And I think he is defending well. Now the Panthers were, were pushing the envelope, I think, on some of their plays defensively. I don't remember Mikola in St. Louis being quite as physical, although he did he did injure the lightning player last year. The player that they got from Florida. Rudy Balsers, remember? in that game between the Lightning and Blues, it was Mikola who hit. Yeah, I remember I Rudy Balsers. It. We were always wondering, when's he going to come back? He had two games with the Lightning and and got injured. But Mikola plays a mean game. So, I mean, look, I think their decor is really impressive. Verhage is Verhage. I mean, like, he could have had four goals last night. I mean, he just gets loose. He can shoot the puck. Barkov was so good last night. And Reinhardt's having... I don't know if he's going to be their MVP this year on their team. He's having a terrific season. Matthew Kachuk looked different to me. I mean, this is the first time I've seen him live. He doesn't know,
1: look like he's making that, that same impact in a
0: game, he, he? He's So this is just based on one game last night. But you didn't notice him. You didn't notice him being involved. You didn't notice him around the net. I mean, how many shot attempts did he even have last night? So he had two shots on net and four overall attempts. That might have been the quietest game I've ever seen Matthew Kachuk play. And while the Panthers would would say that has not been the case this year, that his five goals are more of a function of, you know, his expected goals is much higher. And, you know, he's had he's had scoring chances. He hasn't finished. He did not look like the same player to me. And another guy who who normally is more dynamic and wasn't last night, was Bennett. Bennett is normally a guy that's all over the place, mucking up trouble and getting to dangerous areas. He had the one rebound chance in the first period that was extremely dangerous. So look, that might have just been a a one-off game. The Panthers clearly are a very good team, and that that is backed up by their numbers and by their standings position. But to the extent that we looked at them and said, They're really defending well, and they're getting great goaltending, but their offense is a little bit off. Yeah, that's what I saw last night. I saw a team that defended really well, got terrific goaltending, and got offense from kind of the usual suspects that have been doing it this year for them.
1: And the flip side is, can you imagine what they're going to look like when Kachuk gets going? I'm wondering, too, if the way Kachuk and Bennett play, and, you know, they're not 22 anymore. How old is Kachuk, Dave? I mean, he's been in the league a little bit now. It's well, like he was just in just that sixteen puppy. draft.
0: He's a young pup.
1: <sighs> Remember, we talked about Edmonton took Pujarvi. They could have taken Matthew Kachuk. What is he, twenty four or twenty five? Yeah. <clears throat> you wonder if that style of play, though. You know, the in your face, just uh, I mean, Bennett. We've talked about goes over the line a, a lot of times, but he's a physical guy. Kachuk is too. That's a tough way to play every every night, mm-hmm. and you you wonder at times does that catch up to you a little bit more than some of the other players who are a little bit more finesse and don't, and don't play with that same type of grit. In other words, y- you also get Kachuk and Bennett for the playoffs because that's kind of where they, yeah. they really can excel. Well,
0: I think what the Panthers, and they can answer this question better than I can, but did the long playoff run have an effect? Not on the team as a whole, clearly not but on some individuals. And look, Ekblad and Montour look fine to me, but let's not forget, they they missed the first 17 games of the season. They kind of, I mean, they had a rehab offseason, but they had an extended offseason. They did. The rest of the team didn't. The rest of the team had, what, you know, three months. Then they were back at it. We'll see. I mean, look, they're on path to make the playoffs, and maybe you're right. Maybe game one of the playoffs you know, Kachuk all of a sudden becomes a point-per-game guy
1: again. Yeah, he's somebody we'll I don't, I don't. I mean, look, he, he doesn't come close to hitting 100 points this year compared to what he did last year. You're going to notice that for sure. But I also think you're judging Kachuk and, to a lesser extent, Bennett on what they do in the playoffs. Yeah. Because how many times have we talked about the playoffs in hockey more than any other sport drastically different than the regular season? And in many ways, for some players, that's a good thing. So for Kachuk and Bennett, who play a punishing style of game, that you almost have to look at them and say, we have to judge a little bit more production wise what they do in the playoffs. In other words, Kachuk could totally redeem himself in the playoffs by having a tremendous run compared to, you know, whatever he does in the regular season. And Mm -hmm. I think I think that's a fair way to look at it. As well, Al says halfway through the season, and I'm still concerned with the lack of effort, focus awareness, and intensity that is displayed at times during games, the shorty epitomized this players and coaches aren't pulling their weight. do you foresee any changes by Julian Brizois before the trade deadline? Well I, I think I kind of addressed this yeah, I, you did address that. I, I I think if this continues to go on, I think they make a move um you know that that's not a headline. I think that's being realistic. you're trying to tell me Julian Brizois who Let's face it, Dave, ever since he's taken over as general manager, don't you agree he has been in the win-now mode? And I think we have seen that at the trade deadline with the assets he's given up to win now. Do I think this is any different this year? No, I think the mindset will be the same. I think the question is, does he have the assets to pull it off? Yeah. You know, it's one thing to do it when he first took over as a general manager, maybe when you had some first-round picks to play with, or, or maybe you had uh, some younger players you could deal and I, th- I still think you do. I, I, look, the one thing the Lightning always will have in their back pocket, it might not be a first-round pick. It might not be a second-round pick in terms of a prospect they're developing. But because of how well they draft and develop, somebody down in Syracuse that the Lightning like a lot that might be undrafted, that might be a late-round pick could still be seen as valuable to another team because of the Lightning's track record of producing players beyond the first round into legitimate NHL players. However, we also know that, look, teams want to see that first-round pick, that second-round pick coming back in a trade. And those Mm -hmm. are limited to the Lightning based off of what they've done over the last few years trying to win now. I will just say this, Al. I think Julian Breezois will look to shake things up If this team continues to be inconsistent around the trade deadline, because the goal is to win. Now the core players are locked up. You're not going to trade them. I don't think, I mean, look, that would be one way to, to shake things up. If you looked at recently, some of the players that were signed to a long-term deal and you felt that was a way to accumulate more assets coming back to help win. Now, I, I think let's put it this way. I think Julian Bresuaw has the intential uh, fortitude, partner, to do that. I, I think he he will look to make a move that helps the team. It's got to be, it's got to be within uh, his asset collection to do it. But I think one thing we have seen over the years is that Julian Brisewell, uh is somebody who's not afraid to pull the trigger. No, no, he's he's a bold general manager. Very bold. Yeah. And it's paid off. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the other thing. I mean, it's one thing to be bold and give up a lot of assets and get knocked out in the first round. And then, you know, the next few years, you're kind of reeling. It's another thing to make those trades, win back-to-back cups, make a third final appearance, and still have your core in place where you still feel like, you know, we're going to be competitive. We might not be the best team in the East this year, but we feel like we're in the top eight and we have enough playoff experience and the best goaltender in the world where we could get hot and make a run in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I think that's a fair way of looking at it. But you got to get there first. And I think Julian Breezewa's got to look at his team and say, do we have enough horses?
0: Well, that's why he gets paid the big bucks, right? I mean, ultimately, he is the one that has to figure out why is this team inconsistent. Yeah. We don't have an answer for the fans. And the fans are asking us. They don't have an answer. Julian has to pinpoint kind of the the cause of the problems and then try and figure out a way to solve those problems. And that's not easily done. Even if you can figure it out, it's not easy to make trades in today's NHL.
1: Let me because ask you teams this.
0: Are Teams are limited by the salary cap. Now, the cap is projected to go up next year, but it's not gone up yet.
1: No. Do you think – By the way, I just popped up
0: cap friendly for the Lightning because I was was just curious where they are. And, of course, they have no cap room, right? But I think I might have said at one point the Lightning don't have any big raises to deal with next year. That is not true. There's one player who's getting a pay bump next year, and that's Hagel. Hegel gets a five million dollar raise. Now the cap is projected to go up what were they looking at? Three to four million dollars. Yeah. yeah. So like that is gonna get baked into the cake there, and, and the lightning will have a little bit more wriggle room. But they do have some money coming off the books and notably Stamp goes, clearly. And, well that I mean that's the elephant. In the that, room. That's the one situation. <laughs> but I mean his his contract is eight point five million. Yeah.
1: I've said this about Stammer, right, maybe not publicly on the show. I think I've referenced it once. I think he stays with the Lightning, but I think he's getting somewhere in between that six to six and a half a year. Yeah, we'll see. I mean that's that's something Julian's gonna have to figure gonna have out to figure and it may out.
0: not it may not affect so much any move he wants to make this year. The other thing that's that's going to be coming off the books next year is the Brent Seabrook long-term injury. What a player he's been! Number, yeah. (laughs) But I'm I'm a little unclear exactly how that will affect the Lightning, right? Because uh, you know they're paying him, but it's just going on long-term injury. So anyway, that commitment will end next year. Everybody else though is either under contract, making the same number, or they are on an
1: expiring contract. Which is why those players. And people can dig around and, and look at who maybe I'm talking about. Those are the players who are under contract that have a lot of juice still left can sometimes be your most valuable trade chip. The question yeah. just becomes, does Julian Bruce want to do that? Right. And that, that to me is his greatest trade chip this year, Dave. If you want to make a splash, I think you're going to have to go with somebody who's got term, who's still a good player, who you can address some holes on this roster because I just don't think you have the assets anymore to go out and package something and send to a team without really affecting your NHL roster. Yeah, and I think that's a fair point, and it's not it's not saying anything that's that's ridiculous there. All right, that's gonna wrap it up for us here on the show today, partner. Great job as always. We'll be back at it again tomorrow noon to one, and uh, hopefully the Lightning will be ready for the weekend.
0: Yeah, a couple of big games at home to close out 2023, uh, and then they head head west again, not as far west, but the Lightning have only six games on the road left against the West, and two of them are the first two games of 2024, and then they have their Vegas-California trip in March. So much of the remaining schedule for the Lightning will be played in the Eastern time zone, which there is something to that. Whether they're at home or on the road.
1: Partner, appreciate you. Do it again tomorrow.
0: Right back at you.
1: Thanks to Steve Versling. Thanks to you for listening. We always appreciate it. You've been listening to Power Lunch on Lightning Radio.